Hi, I'm Sam Germano, and welcome to the Uprooted Podcast, where we'll be uncovering the underlying meaning of health and what it means to us today. Let's sit down with the experts and trailblazers to understand the why and how, break down barriers, and blend our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Grab your headphones, turn the volume up, and let's uproot. Dr. Colby Cash has been studying health and wellness for a decade and graduated from the University of Florida's College of Health and Human Performance with a bachelor's in applied physiology and kinesiology. After he received his Doctor of Chiropractic and Master of Science degree in Applied Clinical Nutrition at New York Chiropractic College, he continued to further his education as a certified ADAPT functional medicine practitioner, become a certified exercise physiologist at the American Academy of Sports Medicine, a certified personal trainer at the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and a certified functional range conditioning mobility specialist. If that sounds like a lot, well, it certainly is. While in chiropractic school, Dr. Cash was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and inflammatory arthritis, both caused by autoimmunity. Through his relentless self-education and thousands of hours of research, Dr. Cash put together an intensive autoimmune remission program, including radical lifestyle, diet, and biohacks that put him into 100% remission without the need for lifelong immunosuppressants. He has now dedicated his life to use his knowledge to remove the pain and disability shadowing people's lives so they can become the best version of themselves and give society their full potential in their respective fields. Colby is not just another guest for me. He's one of my best friends who I've known for the past 10 years, who's someone I go to to talk all things holistic nutrition and functional medicine with. When I started this podcast, I knew he had to be a voice on it, and I'm thrilled to have him shed light on a topic he's completely conquered in his life. He's incredibly knowledgeable and passionate on this topic and has put in the work to heal himself. I hope you enjoy. Colby, you ready to talk autoimmune disease? Let's do it. (laughs) I could not be more excited to dive into this conversation, particularly because functional medicine is a passion we equally share. So this will honestly be a similar conversation that we'd have while out on a Friday night, but now we're recording it. (laughs) I also want to mention that it's been so incredible watching you not only make a career out of helping people heal, but you've also been able to heal yourself when faced with autoimmune disease, which is extremely commendable. So let's jump right into it. Tell us who you are, how you got into this work, and what you do now. So my background is in chiropractic. actually graduated a couple months ago. I have a master's degree in clinical nutrition. I'm a certified exercise physiologist, personal trainer, and went on to get certified in functional medicine. And so I really have a passion for everything related to health, wellness, and longevity. And I think what inspired my gumption for this field is going through my own health journey. I didn't have one or two. I had three autoimmune diseases. I uh, had Crohn's, psoriasis, and an inflammatory arthritis. And so through the process and learning of what I learned in, through my studies and self-education, I was able to come up with a protocol that put me into 100% remission. And so now I'm dedicated to sharing that information for with other people that that need it a lot. And so we could talk a little bit about what autoimmune disease is and the role of the immune system. Let's do it. I was going to say, let's take a few steps back and kind of break down what autoimmune disease is in its simplest form. So Yeah, let's go through what that means in regards to specifically what's happening in our bodies too. 
Yeah, so to understand autoimmune disease, we'll, we'll first talk about what the role of the immune system is. And so the most important part is being able to decipher between self and non-self, being able to heal injuries and digest dysfunctional cells, and then going on to eliminate pathogens or the bad guys from the body. And so the birth of autoimmune disease is when the body fails to distinguish between your own cells and foreign cells. Or if you have a, a diseased organ, your body is going to attack it. So it's not necessarily making a mistake. Maybe your organ is failing from something else, some type of other environmental factor. And so autoimmune disease is not rare by any, any means. Over 50 million Americans have at least one autoimmune disease. That's one in six people. And um. it's continuing to grow. And so there's something going on in Western society that must be contributing to autoimmune disease. Yeah. And we'll get into all of that too. But one question I want to ask is, is it genetic or is this caused through environmental factors that, um, or external factors that we're faced with? Your genetics predispose you, but they don't write the script for disease. So Okay. The root cause of pretty much most chronic diseases is low-grade chronic inflammation. So in my body, it might lead to Crohn's disease because that's what my genetics predisposed me. And in your body, it might cause like a thyroid autoimmunity. In someone else, it might cause lupus. And so the three pillars of what causes autoimmune disease is, yes, genetics set like a precedent, but then there's the compounding stressors of your environment the absence of stress resilience, and then immune dysregulation. And we could talk about, you know, each of those one by one. Awesome. So going into each of those causes, let's talk about how diet, your environment, stress will contribute to or exacerbate maybe a pre-existing disease or, or create an autoimmune disease within your body. Yeah. So your body can't tell the difference between different stress. It responds right. to it similarly across the board. So whether it's digestive stress, a loud noise, environmental toxins, heavy metals, uh, pharmaceutical agents, even blue, artificial blue light, lack of sleep. And so this, it kind of piles on over time that leads to the chronic inflammation. And by far, diet is the biggest stressor. And uh, if you damage the gut, the inflammation in the gut is going to travel throughout the body. So your body, you, you produce chemical messengers called cytokines. And so it could dissolve out of the gut into the bloodstream and deposit on your skin, on your brain, in your joint lining. And so it could cause autoimmunity all over the body. And that kind of goes to talk about the, the gut brain access is if you have an inflamed gut, uh, it's going to affect the nerve that controls the gut function, which is called the vagus nerve, cranial nerve 10. And so that's going to either downregulate or upregulate it all the way up to the brain and could cause symptoms of depression, anxiety, brain fog. And so it, it really, you know, many people think that autoimmune disease starts in the gut. Hmm. And Colby, why is inflammation so detrimental to the body? So, you know, what's interesting is we talked a little bit about how chronic stress is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Acute stress is actually good in the right dosage. So uh, uh, acute stress could be uh, exercise, sauna, cold thermogenesis, which is like a cold shower, the right amount of radiation from the sun. And it 
it, it's this concept of hormesis. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger if it's in the right dose. So if you go and exercise, your, your liver is going to produce all these natural antioxidants and your brain is going to produce something called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is fertilizer for your neurons. So it's good up until a point. If you don't allow your body to recover, all of a sudden that acute inflammation turns into chronic inflammation and it piles and piles and your body's not able to catch up. So it's almost irreversible. So it, yeah, it becomes, well, it ends up damaging. Okay. Whether it's your joints or if it turns into autoimmune disease, different organs. And so I think some autoimmune diseases are reversible depending mm -hmm. on the organ. So type one diabetes, thyroid, autoimmune, sometimes you created enough damage where you can't reverse it, the, the organs uses, but in other autoimmune diseases, you can absolutely reverse it. You know, Crohn's disease, lupus, rheumatic diseases. And so it's important to, you know, I'm talking about these acute stresses, increase your stress resilience by doing these great things throughout your day, like exercise, sauna, cold showers, etc. I love it. We're also going to get into all of those ways that we can self-heal. But now that we kind of have a general understanding of what autoimmune disease is, let's get into the different types. And you've kind of touched upon some of them, lupus, Crohn's, but let's kind of dive deep onto what the different types are and what that specifically means in our body, what organ they're affecting, what results we'll see once we're affected by it, so on and so forth. So like I mentioned, chronic low-grade inflammation, in my body, it might attack my gut. So I, when I had Crohn's disease, the body is attacking the gut lining and the commensal gut bacteria. And so it's going to lead to symptoms like uh, lots of stools, bloating, gas, blood, even bloody stools. And then you might also get neurologic symptoms because of the gut brain access. And that's kind of a universal symptom of autoimmune disease low energy, hard to focus, joint pain. And then the organ specific, you're going to, you know, depends on the organ. So let's say it's thyroid autoimmunity. You might be extremely lethargic, uh, weight gain, you know, cold limbs, that sort of thing. Multiple sclerosis, you could have visual impairment, uh, muscle weakness. You know, each autoimmune disease varies, but there's some hallmark symptoms of particular autoimmune diseases as well. So with the knowledge I know about this and from just from our conversations, it almost seems like autoimmune diseases creep up on us and we may not even know that we have them. How can we be more aware of this and what are the specific signals that we have one, which I know that you were just explaining, yeah. but maybe like in more depth, like what are symptoms that we may be encountering in our day to day that we will write off as, oh, it's, you know, it's just a long day or, oh, I'm just sore from the workout I had yesterday or, oh, I'm mm -hmm. stressed. Like what, what are those key factors where they are specifically pertaining to an autoimmune disease that maybe we need to pay more attention to? I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that people shouldn't even have to wait until they lose their health to yeah. care about their health. So I think the first step is identifying the stressors in your life. Stress is our body uh, releases stress in the form of adrenaline. And so there's from the nervous system, there's two parts of the nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And the sympathetic is your fight or flight. So you could just picture the, the, the scene in, in modern society of someone driving late to work, they're getting honked, they're on the phone eating a donut and just go, go, go throughout the day. And they never have a, a chance to kind of turn off the, the fight or flight. And so then that's gonna lead to immune dysregulation. Whether you see it or not, 
there's changes being made. And so I think for a lot of people, something that you could test for is the gut microbiome, you know, stress and inflammation is going to change the ecosystem. And so even if you have a, an altered gut microbiome, you might not be getting the gut symptoms. You can get it elsewhere in the body and any type of weird rash, skin bumps, these are indicative, these are overreactions, but these are hypersensitivities. So that's a, that could be a clue of what's going on. I think people could also look towards blood work, tracing their, their micronutrients. Vitamin D is like the biggest, one of the most important vitamins for our immune system. And actually the further you get away from the equator, the higher incidence of autoimmune disease that you see, especially multiple sclerosis because of the vitamin D availability. And mm. so some people will actually, one of the you know, modalities I know we'll get into that is UVA, UVB therapy during the mm. winter. If you, you know, you're at a certain latitude that doesn't allow for a certain amount of sunlight. And I think another micronutrient that's important is zinc. And so if you're not taking in enough zinc, your body's not going to produce enough stomach acid. And so then you won't properly digest food. And so when it goes into the small intestine, you cause an uh, something called small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and that further inhibits enzyme production so you're not you're not able to break down the food it's increasing stress load on the system that thing causes something called leaky gut which i know you're familiar with and probably mm -hmm. a lot of your listeners are familiar with when the gap junctions in your gut that uh, selectively allow nutrients to pass through get damaged they get bigger and now bigger molecules are slipping into the bloodstream your body's like, what the heck's going on? What is this? It gets confused. It attacks the, the foreign particle. And then a process called molecular mimicry occurs where your immune system is kind of confused and it starts attacking maybe particles that resemble the particle that slipped through. And so maybe a gluten particle slips through and your body starts attacking your your joint lining because it, it looks similar. I think blood work and checking the microbiome is a good way to... See if you're on your if you're on the way to developing an autoimmune disease in the future. Also, I think another important thing to touch on is what is like what why are we getting such high rates of autoimmune disease in America? And there's something called the hygiene hypothesis. Okay. Do tell us. Yeah, oh, I will. <laughs> and so the, the hygiene hypothesis is based on the more sterile your environment when you're growing up, the higher rate of autoimmune disease in that society. So you, when you're born, you have this like plastic period of time where your immune system's learning, it's educating. The more diverse bacteria that you're put in front of as a young child, the less likely you are to have asthma, allergies, and autoimmune disease. So contemporary hunter-gathering tribes don't have autoimmune disease. They don't have it. Farmer, farming communities, and if you grow up on a farm, you have very low rates. And then if you're in the lower class of society, you also have very low rates of autoimmune disease. It seems to be a privilege of the upper class to get autoimmune disease. And I, I think one of, uh, one of the famous examples of being exposed to proteins when you're young and not preventing allergies or autoimmune disease when you're older is there was a study on kids in Israel that were given the snack, as you've probably heard of Bamba, it's a peanut butter snack. I love them. And so they, the Israeli kids had much lower rates of peanut allergies when compared to Jews from Great Britain in the United States. And so yeah. that kind of further backs up that theory of the hygiene hypothesis.
Yeah, so it's, it's like it's the exposure yeah. allows our body to adapt to it and then respond to it even better when we're faced with it again. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I want to circle back on the different types of testing you were explaining with a stool analysis and blood tests. So let's just say for those listening right now, someone may think that, oh my God, I may have an autoimmune disease and I didn't know it. They go and get a blood test. They go and get a stool analysis. What specifically are they looking for when they get these results? Mm -hmm. So... I'll, I'll tag along another test after I explain. So mm, yeah. when, when, when you get a, a, a gut test, you want to see, is there any, so you want to see the ratios of good bacteria or beneficial bacteria to bad bacteria. And when the ecosystem's messed up, they call it dysbiosis. And so there's different ways of feeding the good bacteria while starving the bad bacteria. And there's different techniques to do that, different fibers and different herbal antibiotics to go about that. And you also want to look at enzyme production because if your body's not producing enzymes, you're not breaking down the foods. And then you might be consuming healthy foods, but you're not absorbing the nutrients. Yep. So then you, you compare it to the blood work and you could see, you know, what micronutrients are you low in that you're, you're already consuming those foods. So the goal is to eliminate the bad bacteria, nurture the good bacteria, supplement with any enzymes you need to in the interim, and also supplement with the building blocks for the gut lining. And one great one is L-glutamine. And that's been shown to be very efficacious for uh, helping out with leaky gut. Now, there's another test that I think is very important. When you go to your allergist, they test for, for allergies. And your allergies are caused by an antibody called IgE antibodies. But it, they don't test for other antibodies that have a slower reaction. They're not allergies, but let's say three days down the road, you might, it might cause chronic low-grade inflammation. And so you have to test for insensitivities, which are caused by IgG and IgA antibodies. And so that's another biggie. And you could also figure out what you're intolerant to mm -hmm. by an elimination diet. Easiest way. Yeah. So for anyone who wants to get a gut analysis or a stool analysis or a blood test, are the best places to go to um, a doctor of functional medicine, a doctor of alternative medicine? Where can people find this if they need it? Yeah. I, well, I think it's important to go to go to a professional. Of course. Guide you through this. I don't think it's as important what their title is. I think it's more important to seek out a practitioner that's respected, has a good track record. Definitely. So you can call them a dietitian, you can call them a nutritionist, functional medicine, holistic. It's on the individual, not the, the title that they that they use. So, you know, look, go shopping for a good doctor. No, it, it, it's a great point. So your areas of expertise lie within clinical nutrition and functional medicine. So tell us some ways we can cope with the disease and self-heal. And specifically, I want to look at, you know, what that timeline can look like how changes to our lifestyle can positively affect us healing. I think the first step towards anything is getting the right mindset for a goal. So write down your goals and you have to start practicing mindful, mindful meditation because it's very hard to heal yourself. If you're in a state of depression, you're, you're really going uphill. So you got to change your, your view on it. And every thought you have produces different neuropeptides and hormones that actually affect your cells. So that's the first step. I think it's so important what you're saying here right now, because when we feel like our body failed us or when we feel like we're not in control of our body, mm -hmm. that is when our emotions and thoughts 
and feelings of healing ourselves are really altered. So I love that you're saying this right now because it's super, super important to feel like we are empowered with the right information, with the right tools and practices to self-heal because mm-hmm. um, that is going to affect the trajectory of your healing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to be fully committed. You have to, you know, it should be the, your new purpose in life is the most important thing. So you're going to be really committed. And when you go into your elimination diet, it's not going to be easy. You know, there's going to be temptations, but I think the, the three low, lowest hanging foods to eliminate at first is gluten, dairy, vegetable oils. Uh, a lot of people will have benefits from that, but not everyone is going to be where they'd like to, to be. And so then it goes on to the elimination of other foods, um, even, even plant foods, you know, so plants can't run away from predators like um, animals do. So they've developed plant toxins over millions of years to ward, you know, so you don't eat too much of the plant. They want to pass on their genetics too. Mm-hmm. And so you look at most of the plant kingdom, we can't eat most of it because it'll kill us. So even these plants that we could eat sometimes have certain toxins that might be contributing to autoimmune disease because our gut lining has been broken down by processed foods, pharmaceutical agents like antibiotics, birth control. And so during the healing phase, you might have to eliminate certain plant foods with you know toxins like lectins, oxalates, and so on. And so the, the, the mindfulness, the elimination diet. And then I think there, there's another, another one that's free, but people always overlook it is sleep. Like you can't heal if you're not getting enough sleep. And I was uh, reading up on this rare sleep disorder where people can't, they lose the ability to sleep and they end up dying within a week or so. And the reason I bring it up is the cause of death was infection from their own gut bacteria. And when they study the microbiome after one night of uh, bad sleep, and it was already messing with the communication between our body cells and our gut bacteria. So to have robust gut health, you have to protect your sleep and you could practice putting on blue light blocking glasses an hour to two hours before bed, get rid of the screens and swapping out regular lights for non-blue lights. As you say this, I am holding up my blue light glasses right now. <laughs> also, another great thing to, to use too is during the winter when we're not having as much exposure to vitamin D. It's like the vitamin D lamp. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. That's super helpful too, just with helping your circadian rhythm and get more in tune with your sleep cycles. Yeah, that's a good one. I think another, another um, therapy that is sometimes overlooked or not considered is a practice of fasting. So when, yeah, intermittent fasting could be beneficial, but even expanding it to a day and multi-day fast, depending on the individual, and I don't recommend it for everyone, we talk about who shouldn't do it. Yep. But when you, go, when you, when you fast, your, your body breaks down the dysfunctional cells first. So the dysfunctional hyperactive white blood cells, your dysfunctional uh, proteins. And while your body's breaking that down, you get a huge upregulation of stem cells. So when you start to consume food and energy again, your body's basically birthing these new, young, healthy cells. And so getting a routine with a regular fast would be very helpful. And why doesn't this work for, for everyone? Well, I think for, for women with very low body fat, it could uh, alter the menstrual cycle. People mm-hmm. that are hypoglycemic, pregnant, 
there's always an exception to the rule. And it's also important to know that everyone everyone is different. And so your reaction to, to it may be completely different than your friends. And even though it's working for someone else, it may not be working for you. And that's totally okay. Right. That, that's always important. You know, a lot of people, one thing will work for them and they become big preachers. But it, and listen, sometimes it could actually negatively affect someone as well. Yeah. I want to talk about the foods that are best to eliminate to heal ourselves. You talked about gluten, you talked about dairy. Why are these foods the best to eliminate off the bat for helping ourselves heal with autoimmune disease? So about 10,000 years ago was the Neolithic revolution when we started farming. And so you look at the, the vast majority of humans history, we were eating mostly Paleolithic, which is meat, fish, nuts, seeds, and um, a few other things. And so a large bulk of the population maybe hasn't developed the best ways of breaking down these foods. And so there is there its own autoimmune disease, celiac disease, uh, when someone consumes gluten and they get an extremely severe immune reaction. But then there's also non-celiac uh, gluten sensitivity, which is overlooked. A lot more people have that, but they're not diagnosed. And so when you consume those gluten molecules, your body will have more of a, a low-grade inflammatory event. Gluten and grains in particular also have these other plant toxins called phytic acid, which is uh, an anti-nutrient. So it's going to bind to any of the good stuff that they claim is in gluten and render it useless and also be in inflammatory in the gut. And then with regard to dairy, the I think only one third of the world uh, is able to produce lactose into adulthood. So if you're not breaking it down, uh, it's going to cause gastric distress. And so those two are, are, are I would add a third one, I'd add vegetable oils, also, yeah. you know, that wasn't something we were consuming on the paleo diet. And when you, when you cook with vegetable oils, they become rancid and extremely inflammatory. So those, you know, most of the population, I think is going to have a reaction to that. That's why I say those three first. And do sugar and alcohol also fall into the categories of best things to eliminate? Yeah. Well, I think processed sugars for sure. Okay. Flour for some people, alcohol could be, you know, a huge trigger especially when not con consumed in uh, moderation. <laughs> so during the healing phase, get, yeah, get rid of that. Alcohol, processed sugars, you know, native uh, contemporary hunter-gatherers and tribes around the world don't have any of these health issues. And as soon as you introduce refined flour, seems to be the biggie of creating cavities, uh, infections, and everything else we see from autoimmune disease. Don't bring up cavities. I just had three filled yesterday or two, two days ago. <laughs> it's a sore subject for me right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so let's just say um, someone has adopted these these changes into their, their lifestyle. They've eliminated these foods. What does the timeline look like for each person or, you know, for different types of people? If you, you know, it depends. If you eliminate uh, a lot of the heavy triggers, you might mm -hmm. feel better within a couple of weeks. But when we're talking remission, I think more of a, a re, uh, realistic timeline is six months to two years, depending on how much damage is done. And for some people, unfortunately, I think, it's irreversible if your whole organ has been destroyed, like in, in, in type one diabetes, but still making those changes, well, you'll probably feel better. You won't bring back some, you know, some that you won't be able to produce insulin, but you'll feel better as a human. 
you know, perform better. You'll be a better version of yourself. Definitely. And you mentioned meditation and some of the other healing modalities such as sauna, mm. UV light. Talk about more of the non-diet lifestyle changes. So there's one that I really like, red light therapy. And so you look at the whole color spectrum and and red light is the part of the, the spectrum that's between like 630 and 800, I forget, nanometers. And what red light does when it hits your skin is it upregulates your mitochondria to produce more ATP, more energy. And so more energy means your, your body is going to be able to fight disease better and you're going to feel better as well. So red light therapy is very good for skin conditions. And then you could get more powerful laser treatments that are more focal. Let's say a specific joint is bothering you or um, somewhere else in the body. It could get that that is a, a great therapy. You could get a home unit or you could also go into a therapist that probably has a more expensive one. So my dad actually has a red light therapy in-home unit and he has one of those like travel pens. Uh-huh. And as, as you know this, but for listeners, I have a lower back condition that frequently causes inflammation for me. It acts mm-hmm. up after I do an intense workout, after yeah. I had a bad night's sleep. And I have personally used red light therapy and it changes my, my pain mm-hmm. overnight, overnight. And it's, it's wild to me. And also, I know I've mentioned this to you and I have no problem sharing. I also have eczema. I've had it since I was a kid and it does act up when I eat or consume lots of gluten or dairy, maybe after a weekend of indulging, which is so interesting because that's kind of how I see the direct correlation of inflammation after eating it. Mm -hmm. And I've used red light therapy for it before too, and it goes away. So I am a personal I've had personal experience you're, you're with using it. You're a poster girl for, for red light therapy. I am a poster child for red light therapy, yes. <laughs> oh, it's great. I'm glad you've had a lot of success with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a couple other therapies that are within reach for people. There's something called grounding or earthing. And mm. really all it is is getting in touch with the earth. The earth emits a natural electric field and uh, free electrons. And so when you get in touch with the earth, you actually absorb some of the free electrons, and they go, again, it's affecting the mitochondria. It saturates what's called the electron transport chain in the mitochondria to produce more energy. And so you could either, I guess, do this therapy from just like hanging out in the grass or in the ocean, or they also sell grounding mats, which if you have a grounded outlet, you could lay on it and bathe yourself while you're sleeping or while you're meditating. And there's some good research on it with regards to autoimmune disease and other chronic pain disorders. What what does this mat look like? Is this like a, a bed of grass? <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's just like a, it looks like a yoga a yoga mat. It looks like a yoga plugged, mat. Okay. Plugged in and so that's it has to be a grounded outlet. Right. But it, yeah and that's it, it free flows the, the electrons. Okay, so this is so interesting. I've never heard this before. So like something as simple as taking a walk under trees, immersed in nature, uh-huh. um, doing anything that kind of connects you to that. Yeah, go saying. work out in the park, you know, mm. maybe instead of going into a, a gym one day. Yeah. You know, that's a good way to do it. You know, just get in touch with the earth. People nature. underestimate it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, you know, in, in your healing process, I want to talk about any resources that you used that provided you with more information, helped you along your way. Were there any specific podcasts, books, people that you followed that got you to where you are now? Oh my God. 
So many. <laughs> so many. All right. Yeah. So podcasts, Ben Greenfield, fitness, Dr. Paul Saladino, Chris Kresser. Those are some of the, the guys with the podcasts that I've uh, absorbed all that information from. Mm-hmm. And w- with regards to books, Boundless, I believe it's the disease of the absence. I might be messing that one up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, a lot of these books were doctors had autoimmune disease and the conventional way wasn't helping them. They're just getting sicker and they changed their lifestyle. They, you know, a lot of what I described uh, today and they, they had huge success with it. It's so interesting. And I even feel like in talking to people on the podcast, there is a common thread of um, people who were experiencing a challenge with their, with their health, went to a doctor, didn't want to take pills, didn't want to live their life based on what they were being prescribed and made changes to their lifestyle and were amazed. And we, I, I, I love that there's just this common theme here because I really do feel like we are able to heal ourselves. Now, if there is a specific condition that needs to be discussed with a doctor, there are certain cases where you know self-healing or functional holistic medicine mm-hmm. is not the route. But mm-hmm. I always think it's worth trying that that road for first before yeah. taking put, an antibiotic or a medication put, for put the rest your of your life. First line of defense. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. The trajectory should just be a little bit different. But and that's the paradigm shift that's help, happening in healthcare right now because we're, mm-hmm. we're moving from conventional over to functional and it has better health outcomes. The Cleveland Clinic did a study on uh, primary care physicians versus like a functional medicine team. And the functional medicine team had better outcomes at six months and a year, but the patient has to be a team player. You have to empower them to take a a role in their diet and their lifestyle. So it's, it's a team. And the, the, I think the best thing about this is that a lot of people who have healed themselves and didn't go the route of medication or prescriptions made a career out of it. Yeah. They made it into their purpose. Made it into their purpose. That's what we're here to do. Colby, this was awesome. Thank you so much for shedding some light into this topic. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about you and what you do, where can they find you? You can find me at my website, sculpted.life. And you can find me on YouTube at Sculpted by Dr. Cash for videos related to health, wellness, and longevity. By the way, thank you. It's been a lot of fun.